Hi guys, it's Alex here and providing a short interrupt from this week's podcast to tell you about SASDOC 2022. You might have heard from most of our guests that they are coming to Dublin on the 17th to the 19th of October to speak at SASDOC 2022. You may not know that Christoph Jan's managing partner of Point9 Capital calls it the best SaaS conference for founders, execs and investors in Europe, period. Just today, I was on LinkedIn and SaaS founder Will Reed, who is the CEO of Sideway6, called it the best SaaS event out there. Thanks, Will. We think he's right. So let's dig in. SaaS.2022 is the conference for you if you're a SaaS founder or exec growing a SaaS company to 10 million ARR plus, anywhere from zero to 10 million ARR. And you want to learn how to do it, how to get there, how to surpass that figure. You want to learn how to overcome the odds, how to boost your velocity. You'll come away equipped from the conference with the tools to do this, the tools to accelerate your revenue, your team and runway. You will learn from the best founders in the SaaS industry with amazing speakers like Des Trainer, co-founder of Inscom, Zeb Evans, co-founder at ClickUp, Hanno Renner, co-founder at Personio, and Alina and Nicholas Vandenberg, who are the co-founders of Chili Piper. There's 150 speakers across four stages, including a stage dedicated to bootstrappers. If you're not bootstrapping, there's 400 VCs coming to Dublin to meet with founders from pre-seed through to growth stage. In 2019, there was around 10,000 meetings that we recorded through our app. So if you want to meet VCs, this is the place to be this year. The networking is also second to none. We, it includes workshops, pub crawls, dinners, parties, and much more. Mads Wedekorp, CEO of Dream Influencers, attended in 2019, and he said SASDOC is very likely the most awesome SaaS conference in the world. The secret to getting maximum value is all of the after-hour events. It's during the dinners and the after-parties that the real connections are made. Thanks for that, Mads. If you're a SaaS founder or part of the exec team of a SaaS company, you want to meet your peers, you want to grow your business past 10 million ARR, you want to meet investors to fund your SaaS company, you want a few days to inspire you, then you need to be at SaaSDoc 2022 at the RDS 17th to the 19th of October in Dublin, Ireland. Come and join the fun. Get your ticket now at sasdoc.com forward slash sasdoc slash 2022. Use code SASREVOLUTION, all lowercase in one word, for a 30% discount. That's code SASREVOLUTION for a 30% discount. Now on with the show. It's not all new business, right? One of the things early companies tend to not focus on enough is actually churn. They're so focused on getting new logos that they're not paying attention to the systems of what keeps the logos, right? Because if you have a high churn, getting to $10 million takes a lot longer than if you have net negative churn, right? Meaning where your accounts are growing. Because if you have just neutral churn, $2 million a year, you get there in five years. Great, okay, there's a five year to $10 million. You've got net negative churn where your accounts are growing, you're getting there in three. You have 10% yearly churn, you're getting there in just under seven. Right, and so it's making sure that from the beginning, you're also thinking about one, how do I keep it? How do I keep the revenue that's coming in? How do I make sure that they're coming back? And one of the things actually Jocko coined a phrase recently that I really liked is recurring revenue comes from recurring impact. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock. 
the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Okay, welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, uh, Alex Thuma, CEO of SaaStock, uh, and delighted to be welcomed today uh, by Kevin K.D. Dorsey, uh, who is the SaaS sales leadership coach uh, at Winning by Design. Uh, welcome, Kevin. Hey, pumped pump to be here, man. It's a long, long time coming, so I'm excited for this. Yeah, no, great to have you on the podcast. We've had uh, Jacko on, of course, um, probably like once or twice, but I think he's spoken at you, you know almost every SaaStock conference uh, on, on record, almost. You probably, him, Nathan Lacker, maybe Patrick Campbell kind of hold the the record for like so far speaking at the most events uh delighted that actually this year uh, obviously it's a good shame not to have like jacko there but for you to come over to dublin you know speak at sas 2022 for the first time but obviously ahead of that we've got you on the podcast uh so uh, i'm excited for the chat today and uh we always start uh and i'll, I'll, I'll say like people call you uh, kd so I'll, I'll i'll go into that uh, so we always start, who is the, uh, our guest? So who is, you know, uh, KD? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is KD? Man, we, we go deep on that. Um, I am, I am a, a son. I'm a brother. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Um, I am very passionate about sales and sales leadership. I feel very blessed to be in this career and to be focused on it and trying to help people grow and improve their results. I think sales is the best industry to be in. I've been, you know, blessed, man, to, to be building SaaS sales teams for the last 10 years now. I've got four um, big team builds under my belt now of over 100 people on each of those and always in hyper growth mode. I've got two unicorns now under the belt with Service Titan and um, with Tebra after the Patient Pop merger. You know, I'm still waiting for the patch in the mail. I thought like you'd get a patch or something, you know, when you get unicorn status, but apparently... It doesn't matter. But, um, you know, that's that's what I've been doing. And I love it. I love building teams. I love making things repeatable. And actually, funny enough, Jason Lemkin wrote an article a while back about the different types of VPs of sales. And like the two I identify with is Mr. Make It Repeatable and Mr. Go Big. I'm not Mr. Dashboards and I may not be Mr. IPO. I don't know that I want to run a 500 person sales org or a thousand person sales org. I'm the builder. I like to get it going and running and that's that's the sweet spot that I've landed in and I really enjoy it. And, and outside of SaaS sales and, and, and being a, a, a father, uh, and like, do you have any hobbies or time for hobbies? Like what, what do you do? Like where are you based or like, what do you do? So, I mean, funny enough, like, and I talk about this with people, like, this is my hobby. Like, I enjoy this, you know, and I think it's sometimes, you know, no one would ever give you, you know, grief if you worked a full day and then went and played guitar for two hours, right? No one would give you any grief. But if you work for eight hours and then work more for two hours, you're like, oh, you need balance. Like, I enjoy this, right? So this is my hobby, which is why I have my own podcast, why I have the communities and the courses. Like, I like to be in this space. But if I'm not like building things around this, like I'm playing with with my daughters, I like to read. Um, I don't know if people can see the video. Like I've got tons of books behind me, so I love to read a good book and have a good whiskey, and that's that's where most of my time goes. Good stuff. Uh, and uh, so, as, as you said, you you, you know uh, super passionate uh, about sales, which we you, you know which we love to see with a great track record. You know the unicorn patch, I'm sure is you know in the post. 
Um, but what's the story about you then uh, becoming sales practice lead for Winning by Design? You know, how, how did that come about? So I needed a, a break, you know, for any of my fellow, you know, founders or sales leaders out there, like startup life's a sprint. And I had been sprinting for 10 years straight, you know, from human to snag nation to service Titan to patient pop through the merger. So I was tired, right? Like in 2020 was a very rough year for me as a leader, you know, so patient pop, man, we were cruising. I like I've never had a perfect sales team. It's what I chase, but I've never had a perfect sales team. But man, we were we were getting close. Like we were the culture, the vibe, the numbers. I mean, we were blowing it out. Then COVID hit. We sold to doctors. We lost a ton of our business, literally within a six week period. And like, you know, had to go through layoffs and just all this awful stuff. And that that took it out of me. Right. Like, and so I wasn't gonna leave my team in. COVID. I was going to get them through and go through it all and get it back to where it needed to be. But after that dip and re-rise, I needed to pull back a little bit. So I was going to go out on my own, just do consulting for you know a bit, just kind of recharge. And then winning by design, I've always been close with. And they kind of were like, well, hey, if you want to want to do this for real, for real, let's, let's talk about it. And then that's how it how it worked, but also uniquely is like, I only wanted to focus on leadership for the most part, because that's where I saw the hole in the market. There's sales training everywhere. There's cold call training everywhere, but like sales leadership training doesn't exist. And so that's what I joined Winning by Design to really build out for them so that we could help these companies. Because without strong leadership, the training doesn't matter. The playbook doesn't matter. And so that's where I'm spending my time now. And I really enjoy it. And, and for those that maybe haven't listened to the podcast that Jacko's been in or don't know much about Winning by Design, can you just give a little bit of a picture as to what it is that they, they do uh, and like, you, you know, where they do it and or where you do it and, you know, how big is the company so nowadays? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, the company now, you know, is well over 100, 120 people. And we really work with a lot with like call it startup to scale up. So like once, you know, you're probably at that, you know, 15 to 20 million ARR like revenue range, right, to really help you get to that next stage, right, of like getting through that trough. Because trying to get from 20 million to 100 is a totally different ballgame than going from zero to 10 million. That's when the systems have to be in place. That's where you need the playbooks. That's where you need the pods. That's where you really need to become metric and data driven. And so that's what we help companies do. We do diagnostics. We help them build their playbooks. We do like the training for, you know, SDRs, AEs, CSMs, like leadership, right? And so really we go through it, but it's a very scientific approach. It's not just like, this is our methodology. It's like, we, we go in there and we see like, okay, your biggest area of focus is your lead conversions low. We're going to focus there and make sure we can get that working the way it needs to be. So it's very scientific and data-driven, which also means a lot to me. That's the type of leader I am as well. And yeah, we work with, you know, truly some of the best of the best companies out there to really try to tone, like dial their systems in, make things repeatable and get more out of the, the revenue org. Do you only work with SaaS companies or is it um, all, all types of sort of tech businesses? Or For the most even? part, it's that. It's pretty much all SaaS that we work with because SaaS is is unique, you know, in a lot of ways in terms of like how revenue is generated and how it all fits together, right? Like the old, you know, model of like, all right, I sell a million dollar server and I get those million dollars up front and then we're going through. Whereas in SaaS, that's a thousand dollar a month payment. 
it changes the whole dynamic in terms of like how you actually make your revenue and go through it and you can optimize each stage. So we focus pr like primarily all on, on SaaS and tech. And you mentioned um, that you, obviously you run a podcast, which is called, I believe, Live Better, Sell Better. So how does running a podcast help you, you know, in business uh, and, and also life? So in life, it forces me to be social, right? Like, especially now that we're fully remote, like I'm not in an office. I don't have coworkers around me. Winning by Design's always been remote from the beginning. And, you know, it always surprises people. I'm, I'm way more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. Put me on stage. The energy will be there. I'm going to bring the passion. I'm going to get into it. But after that's over. I'm sitting by myself. I'm not working the room. Like I'm not a social butterfly. That's not me. And so funny enough, I started the podcast in 2020 because I realized I wasn't talking to anybody, right? Like talk to my coworkers, talk to my wife and daughters. And that was it. So I started it just to start having more conversations, right? And also like I'm, I'm blessed to have a very strong network in the sales space. And like the conversations that we're having via text or the conversations when we just hop on a Zoom, I'm like, people need to hear this stuff, right? Because it's, it's you can't get that all from 1,300 characters on LinkedIn. You know, like I wanted to bring some of the the other thought leaders to, to market and go through it. And so I love it. It keeps me social, but also I get to learn, right? I get to ask the questions and go, oh, like, how do you think about this? Or what do you do here? And it just keeps it, it keeps it fresh. You get to hear different ideas and different ways of approaching things, which makes me then question my own processes, right? Okay, how could that apply to what I do? I don't agree with that. Why not? Is it a proven thing? Is it a preference thing? So it just keeps me, I think, sharper than if I'm just always in my own little bubble. I think I've been podcasting for seven years now. Um, and I've, I found it fantastic for building network. Mm -hmm. uh, for meeting some really interesting people, um, for learning, like, you know, it's a kind of a cheat code, you know, for me, for, for learning both from, you know, great entrepreneurs and, and guests and more about SaaS and yeah, it's, uh, it, it's super, super sort of valuable. Um, yeah. So like for me, obviously, I guess having done it for seven years, you, you, you gotta love it, right. If you're going to keep doing yeah. it, uh, week in, week out, but, um, uh, no, good to hear. And, and also like, I think on your point about, like um, being an introvert and like what we've seen, it's, I, I think sometimes it just surprises me, but it probably shouldn't about people like yourself and maybe like, I, I don't know, like if, if we call Jacko an introvert, but like as examples, but like we get people who come and speak on stage at Sastock who are like put on a tremendous show and talk, right? And they're just full of energy, but then actually afterwards that, you, you know, hey, you know, they, they don't really want to mix with everybody or they're very different, you, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, it kind of, um, I don't know if you say like surprises me just sometimes how like people can turn that switch from being that kind of like performer to actually, well, deep down, you know, I, I am an introvert. So yeah, I, I don't know, just something quite interesting that, that, that I've observed. Um, now we know, I think yourself, you, you've got a great deal of experience in this. You said you're a builder. Um, and also winning by design, I think, you know, kind of have written the, the book, although, I mean, there are many books and kind of playbooks about getting to, to 10 million in revenue. And, and really, I think that's the sweet spot of where our audience kind of lies. So what, what I wanted to do and use this opportunity of having you on the, uh, the show, Kevin, is really for you to take us through what you think, you know, is really the, this kind of playbook and some of the steps and frameworks uh, for, for SaaS CEOs that are listening and maybe VPs of sales and sales leaders uh, that can do to kind of take their business, you know, anywhere really from zero to 10 million uh, ARR. So 
what are the, the steps, frameworks people need to kind of really think about? Okay. So how to get to 10 million in under 10 minutes. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. This is easy, right? No, no problem. Yeah. Like, whatever, let's go. Um, so I think the, the first thing that I really look at when either I'm going into a company to start or like, you know, getting to work with them is, you know, working backwards from that 10 million and also understanding in SaaS, it's not all new business, right? One of the things early companies tend to not focus on enough is actually churn. They're so focused on getting new logos that they're not paying attention to the systems of what keeps the logos, right? Because if you have a high churn, getting to $10 million takes a lot longer than if you have net negative churn, right? Meaning where your accounts are growing. Because if you have just neutral churn, $2 million a year, you get there in five years. Great. Okay. There's a five year to $10 million. You've got net negative churn where your accounts are growing. You're getting there in three. You have 10% yearly churn. You're getting there in just under seven, right? And so it's making sure that from the beginning, you're also thinking about one, how do I keep it? How do I keep the revenue that's coming in? How do I make sure that they're coming back? And one of the things actually Jocko coined a phrase recently that I really liked is recurring revenue comes from recurring impact. Just because someone signed a yearly agreement doesn't necessarily mean that's recurring revenue. They just signed an annual agreement. If they didn't get impact in that year, it doesn't matter. So the first is making sure that you understand what impact means for your customers. What would keep them coming back? Then we work backwards from there of knowing your numbers, right? What is your average deal size? Okay, now we know how many deals we need to get to go through there. Okay, what's your close rate? Okay, now we know how much pipeline we need to generate to get there. What's your connect rate, conversion rate, your inbound lead rate? Now we know how much like lead volume we need to get there. And that's how you start to map out how to get there just from a revenue. Now, it always works in the spreadsheet. We'll talk about once we get people involved here in a second because I've built so many unicorns in the spreadsheets, man. It always works in the spreadsheet. But the first is the 10 million. Focus on churn first, making sure that you know how am I going to keep this? Then you have to work through the data side of it. It's like, hey, how much, like how much pipeline, how many deals do I need? Because that's going to feed then your headcount model. So that's where it starts. It's just like, we got to know our numbers. From there, depending on where you are, right? Because if you're at zero, like I don't know if your audience is literally at like zero dollars right now, but if you're at zero, right, you're just starting, you really have to focus on that product market fit, right? Are you actually solving a problem? Or did you build a product that you thought was a good thing, but the, the world isn't ready for yet? Your personas aren't ready for yet. So one of the first things I do when I either go into a new company or I'm working with founders early stage is we're doing either customer interviews or we're doing like prospect interviews where I call them problem-based interviews, where if you have no customers yet, you need to go speak to 50 of your possible personas, right? And you reach out to them, you reach out to them on LinkedIn, you reach out to them on email, and literally you're saying, hey, I'm building something in your space. I would love to ask you some questions about this problem. I am not going to sell you, I'm not going to pitch you, I'm not even going to tell you what our product does. I just want to get your understanding and feedback around the problem in this space, right? So it's like, say you're building a tool for, I don't know, onboarding, whatever, right? It's like, hey, I see you're hiring a lot of reps. I'd love to ask you seven or eight questions about onboarding. 
not about, I'm not going to show the product. I'm not going to do anything. I just like to pick your brain around the space. You'll be shocked how many people will say yes to that. But then that's where you understand what the problem actually is to ensure that your product can actually solve it. Because that's where a lot of early companies miss is they build products that don't solve problems. They build products that are newer, shinier, better, but it's not actually a core problem for people. So you don't buy it, right? Because the first salesperson has to be the founder. And yes, all you product leaders out there, I'm telling you, you have to be the first salesperson. Because if you can't sell it as the founder, as the person that built it, as the person that had a reason to do it, asking a new salesperson to come in won't get you there. So we have to identify that product market fit. What problem is it solving and what personas does it solve it the best for? Because also, as we keep going, I'll pause here for a second for questions. A lot of early stages, they actually aim too big. They're going after everybody, right? Look how big the TAM is, Alex. Look, we can go after everyone versus who do you solve the problem the best for and narrowing your focus down there. You can get to 10 million ARR focusing just on a portion of your TAM if you nail it and you really know their problems and their language. So I'll pause there for, for questions. And yeah, uh, let's say two questions, certainly around the, the, the PMF side of things. So, I mean, we do have obviously some listeners that are at like zero revenue, or you, you know, but also quite a few that you know, have some revenue, but they're, trying, they're working their way to product market fit. Um, and you mentioned um, about the founder needing to lead sales kind of initially because they've got to understand... Uh, really, how to sell it and speaking to the customer and getting on the phone. So, how 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 long do you think the the founder should lead sales for? You know, is it to the first hundred k? Is it to the first million? And I guess maybe that also depends on ACV. So, if you can share some thoughts uh, on that. Yeah. So, I, I actually prefer number of deals more than revenue. Right. To your point, like ACV yeah. is kind of hard with this. Yeah. Yep. Basically, you want to you want to get as close to like twenty ish deals as you can okay. as the founder, right? Yep. Because the first ten tend to be like friends, family, and investors, right? Where it's like people that you knew, people that are friends, investor introductions. So there's already like some relationship there. It's that next ten to show like, okay, like is there a, a fit here? Are other people buying it, right? And basically, can't remember who said it. it's like, but are you getting strangers' money? Because until you're getting strangers' money, you don't have product market fit yet. You have just a strong network. So I like you know 15 to 20 because at that point, you've gotten through the first 10, right? You've gotten your next 10, and now you actually have a decent chunk to go back to for customer interviews to help build like this playbook out. So I like 20 more than ARR because you could land one big deal and already beat a million ARR. We didn't learn anything yet. Yeah. Yeah. No. Interestingly, I know, and I, I don't forget the number correct, but founder that's doing uh, north of ten million ARR, um, and I think he did over the first thousand demos. I want to say it was four thousand demos, but it probably was a thousand. Um, but would you say that was arguably too much because the CEO could probably be doing something, you know, a little bit better? Have they, have they, have they kind of holding on to sales a little bit too long? So it depends on how many deals they closed. Yeah. Right. If it took a thousand demos to get 20 deals, then something's really wrong. Right. Yeah. Something that something's off there. But if they did the thousand demos to close the first 150 deals, then, yeah, I think that's probably too much. Right. Because at that point and again, it depends on the founder. It depends on the goals. Right. And I think especially in SaaS, it's like we've lost sight in a way of like 
building a profitable $10 million per year business. Shoot, building a profitable $5 million per year business. Like there's ways to do that as the founder leading the sales and you've got a few people on the engineering side going through it. So it depends on the goals of the founder. But yeah, a thousand demos, right? I mean, Jesus, think about that. If you're running even two a day, that is almost two years, right? Of like two a day. That's probably too much in my opinion. But again, if they're not closing, then the founder needs to keep going until they start to close. What if you found product market fit um, and, but marketing, like let's say go to market fit is not quite there yet. Uh, so you're getting some leads in, but you know, probably not like enough to, to really, I don't know, uh, fulfill the plate of a, a sales person, mm -hmm. right? I don't know what, what sort of role. What, what would you suggest at that point in terms of like, how, do you focus on getting go to market fit right so that you've got enough leads for your, your salesperson? Or do you hire a specific type of salesperson to kind of come in um, that is able to kind of generate, you, you know, their own leads and, you know, close those and take the meetings? What, what, what would you say at that, that sort of PMS stage? So it'll obviously, again, back depends on your growth and, and your budget, right? Because there's certain yeah. things you can afford to do, right? Oh, hiring a sales rep will be, call it short-term fast and short-term you know, expensive, but you're getting results quicker. Whereas investing in marketing takes time, right? So it's like short-term expensive, but long-term payoff, right? Like SEO is going to take some time. Building an inbound lead channel takes some time. Paying for ads is expensive, right? And it doesn't always pay off right away, but you're going the right direction with this. Like the, the, the motto that I talk with companies all the time is POE, pipeline over everything. If you don't have enough pipeline, you can't grow. And oftentimes founders do make that mistake where they're like, okay, we need to grow. Let me go hire some AEs. There's no pipeline there to support those AEs. And so there's two ways you can do that pipeline outside of marketing, right? And again, marketing, you need to understand what your best channels are going to be. Is that going to be just paid ads out, out the start, right? It's an established market, so you know there's search volume. Is that SEO, where maybe there's not a huge like search volume, but you can start to grab all those long tail keywords, so you're the ones that show up for all of that, right? Is it webinar-based? Is it events? Things of that nature. You need to know your market because that's also, too, something to know about your prospects is where do they consume data? Like, where do they consume content? Is that on LinkedIn? Is that on Google? Is it on Reddit? You're going after Gen Z. Is it on TikTok? Like, you need to know where to be, right? But on the outbound side, you can either get an SDR or you can get a full cycle AE, right? An SDR will be cheaper but require way more support and I see this happen a lot with founders is they're like, okay, we close some deals. We need some more pipeline. Let me go get two SDRs. Unless you're able to manage them, onboard them, train them, support them, motivate them, inspire them, don't start with an SDR because they need a lot of help. You try to find a full cycle AE that knows your industry right? Because that's where you can learn that full process quicker. Like they are prospecting, right? So they're emailing, cold calling, social, whatever, and closing those deals. It removes the variables of like mistakes. And ideally you try to go get two because if you get one, you don't know. You don't know if it was a person problem or a process problem or a product problem. You try to go get two, but then yes, you have to go to market using what you've learned about the prospects. That's why those prospect interviews and customer interviews are so valuable because that's what feeds your go-to-market like system 
is you know how to talk to the prospects to gather, gather that information and gather that interest. Are you, you, so you mentioned about getting CUAEs there. Um, it sort of made me think, so, uh, because we've had these conversations in the past, but actually never really done it. So the, uh, we're not a SaaS company, but I'm sure this is applicable to SaaS companies. Uh, but in terms of when you're making that sales hire, like hiring two people for the same role, making it kind of like competitive, and then, you know, if after three months it doesn't work out for one, you say, okay, it didn't work out, but it works out for the other one. But if it works out for both, then you're in a good position because actually then they're generating that revenue. So are you an advocate of like uh, always hiring two people for this kind of like one role? And then if it works out, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, early on, yes. Right. Because especially when it's full cycle, if you're hiring two AEs, but it's not full cycle, that tends to not work because there generally isn't enough pipeline in place yet to support two AEs. So you're going to have two very hungry AEs and they're going to get frustrated very quickly. But early on, you have to hedge your bets to make sure you know what was broken or not, because sales hiring is hard. It's hard to hire salespeople. I have interviewed thousands of salespeople and I have a decent process in place, but even with a good process in place, like you're looking at a hit rate of like 60 to 70% at best. And so if you're a first time founder trying to interview salespeople, you know what salespeople are really good at? Selling themselves. So like they're all gonna sound great in the interview. And if you only hire one, three months later we have no deals. Was it you? Was it the problem was the rep or is the market still not ready yet? And you'd lose that ability to make a decision like that. So that's why I believe in getting to there if you can. Cool. Uh, let's just do a quick uh, recap on, on some of the, those key steps uh, before we move on to the next section, if, uh, if you uh, can, Kevin. Cool. cool. So if we're, if we're recapping, one, it's working backwards from the number, right? Work backwards from the number in terms of how much revenue do you need that is new versus how much revenue is going to be coming in from renewals, right? So you have to focus on churn early, but you have to work backwards. Once you know that growth path, then you're focusing on pipeline generation. How can we generate enough pipeline to get to that revenue? And that's where you're using assumptions around close rate. Because if the founder ran 50 demos and closed five deals, that's a 10% close rate. The odds that an AE is going to outsell the founder early is rare. Like it's rare that an AE is going to outsell the founder. So you have an assumption of like, hey, if the founder was 10%, well, that AE is probably only going to close at 5 7% to start. So you're going to need a lot of pipeline to get there, right? To generate pipeline, you have to nail the problem messaging of your prospects. And that's where the prospect interviews come in. That's where the customer interviews come in of like, hey, what problems are they dealing with? And how can you connect the dots to your product? And then that's what leads to your prospecting channels, whether you're doing inbound, nailing that language, whether you're doing outbound within full cycle AE or with SDRs, but it's then setting sights on producing enough pipeline to get to that revenue mark. And now we've got the start of the funnel, right? And winning by design, we call it the bow tie, not the funnel. Everyone loves the funnel, right? Leads to deals. In SaaS, it's the bow tie. It's leads to deals, but then deals to impact and expansion. You make all your money on the back end yep. in SaaS, and it's making sure you're focused on that from the beginning. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for that. Uh, moving into our quick fire-ish uh, round, uh, what is the one thing that's moved the needle the most for your career? Whew. Um, studying people. Studying people. Like how people make decisions, how emotions drive people, how buyers 
act, like really studying people, what fear does to us, how to motivate. That made has made me a better leader, and it's definitely made me a better salesperson. So studying people, biggest impact on my career, bar none. What is the best advice you've ever received? Best advice? I'm, it, pretty simple, actually. The better you are, the better your results will be. What is the biggest failure you've made and lesson learned? Oh, man. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. Right? Like I missed out on a pretty good opportunity because I just didn't build the right relationships internally. Just didn't build them. Right? I was like, I'm just going to come in, do my job and be gone. But like relationships matter in business, right? Like it's not just a numbers game. You could hit your numbers and not have good relationships with people and it'll come back to bite you. So I'd say that's my biggest mistake is not proactively making great relationships with coworkers, C-suite, people around me. What does your daily routine look like? Ooh, daily routine. Um, I get up generally around 6, 6 a.m., sometimes a little bit before. I do some journaling pretty much every day, gratitude every day. So I follow something called GERMS, right? It's my own acronym. So gratitude, exercise, reading, meditation, and sleep. So I try to do gratitude every day, some sort of exercise every day, some sort of reading every day, some sort of like meditation, visualization, breath work, and then I really prioritize my sleep. Um, but I'm a very, I'm very intentional. Like when I'm working, I'm working. Like I'm not on social media. I'm not on whatever else. Like I'm working so that when I'm done working, I can also be intentional with my, with my family, my hobbies, whatever else. And so that's my routine is up, get through like, you know, gratitudes, journaling, all that. Then I get to work. All right. Take some breaks throughout of it. You know, probably work till five-ish. You know, five five thirty. Sometimes later than that, unfortunately. Um, but then, you know, that's that's my routine. Is I'm getting germs every single day. And um, how many hours of sleep are you getting uh, a night? Um, eight to eight and a half every night. That's good. Uh, uh, good stuff. And so, like we mentioned, you're, you're coming over to Dublin. Um, uh, so we're excited for that. Um, uh, so you're speaking at SAS.2022. Uh, do you know what you'll be speaking about? Uh, and also, what are you looking forward to the most? Um, so I do know what I'm speaking about. So the, the do I share it here or do we keep it secret? No, you, you, you can share it, but don't give too much away. Yeah. Well, I won't give too much away. Yeah. The, what I'm talking about is the concept of aim small, miss small. How focusing on the small details is actually how you have big results. So often in SAS and leadership, we talk about the big things. We need more revenue. We need to bring our churn down. Great. How? So I'm going to be talking about how do you get to the level to actually change the results? You can't change results. Results are in the past. You can only change a result if you change a metric. And you can only change a metric if you change a behavior, process, or skill. That's what Aim Small, Miss Small is all about. So that's what I'll be diving into um, at the conference. I'm very excited for it. And then what I'm most excited about, one, just to go there. This has been on my list for a while able to speak. I've been able to speak at, you know, most of the other conferences, but I've never been able to go to yours. And so I'm excited to be able to do that. But then also I surprised my family that they're coming with. So my wife and daughters are also coming out to, um, to Dublin. We're staying at the, um, Ashford Castle for a few days. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like, doing like a family trip out of my, I mean, truthfully, my wife, daughters have never seen me perform. They've never seen me on stage. They've never been there for it. So that will be really exciting for them to get to see that and then spend time in a new country as a family. So that's what I'm most love, excited. Love it. No, that'll be a special moment. And, and also uh, jealous that you're going to Ashford Castle uh, 
Um, so uh, yeah, it looks uh, amazing. I think it's one of the world's best hotels. So uh, um, that'll be great. So making a few uh, few days of it in Ireland. So uh, great stuff. Um, uh, what about your favorite business book, if you have one, uh, and or what are you currently reading? Ooh, okay. Favorite business book. So truth in it, more and more, I keep coming back to, it's not even a business book, but it's had probably one of the biggest impacts on my ability to scale businesses, which is the Checklist Manifesto, which has nothing to do with business, but it applies to business, right? And that, I mean, bar none, right? Like, quick overview on it. It's like doctors follow checklists because they save lives. Pilots follow checklists because they save lives. Submarine operators, boat, they all follow checklists because it saves lives. And then we get into sales and SaaS and it's all in our heads. So documenting things, having the prompts, having the reminders so people in the moment can do the right things. That's how you scale. You can't make something repeatable if it's in your head because you aren't repeatable. You got to get it down on paper. So like that combined with traction are my two favorite um, like combined business books. And what I'm reading now, so reading two things right now, generally going through two books um, at a time. The first one is How to Do Hard Things, which is really, really good um, on like how we have the idea of building toughness wrong, right? It's just, it's backwards how we think about building toughness. And it's like how to actually build it. How do you actually teach someone to be tough? Most of the things we do around toughness are actually filtering exercises. They're not building toughness. They're filtering out the people that aren't. That's not how you build a team. That's not how you build a culture by filtering. You have to teach people how to be tougher. So that's uh, one of the books I'm reading right now. And then the Surrender um, Experiment is another one that I'm reading right now. Very cool. Um, yeah, I haven't read the Checklist Manifesto. Uh, agree with everything you said. Um, something that uh, we definitely need to uh, get off the, uh, the show or buy from Amazon or wherever and uh, have a read of that. Uh, so thanks for sharing that uh, with the audience. Kevin, uh, KD, where can people find you uh, online if they want to reach out? Obviously, they can see you at SASDOC 2022 in Dublin, but um, uh, where can they find you online? All right, well, so obviously come see me in Dublin, right? I'll be there. So can't wait. Excited for that. Um, but I do have my own podcast, Live Better, Sell Better, um, that I, I really enjoy. It focuses on like the person side in salesperson as well as the sales side. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Unfortunately, I'm at that stupid connection limit. So I can't take more connections right now, but you can follow me there. And um, those are probably the best ways to do it. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, uh, KD. Um, you know, great to have you on the, the SaaS Revolution show, sharing with the SaaS audience. Uh, uh, great speaking to you and looking forward to seeing you and the family uh, in October uh, in Dublin. Yes, me too, my man. Can't wait. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SAS content and actionable insights to grow your SAS? Join our community of over 36,000 SAS founders at sasdoc.com.